You are not going to believe this, but fighting in a relationship is imperative. It's how you do it and how you repair from it. I'm going to teach you how to do it so that you don't leave a permanent mark on the relationship. I'm Dr. Christy Wise, and this is Life Sauce. Once again, I'm here with my producer who's going to ask some amazing questions. And today we're going to talk about arguing and how to fight fair. So let's begin at the beginning, Dr. Christie. First of all, why is it important that we do argue in a relationship? Seems contrary to everything we think we know about relationships, but it really isn't, is it? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I know that this topic makes people want to cringe because essentially we don't like to fight. We think it's a bad thing, but it is absolutely imperative. It's what roots the relationship and it's what moves us forward if we're doing it appropriately. So it is so imperative in a in any relationship really, but in a romantic relationship, it's imperative. So the important thing here is, of course, to do it in such a way that we don't hurt the other. Yes. How do we do that? Yes. Yeah. And and I want to I want to add to that that yeah we don't hurt the other, and it's not really about what we're arguing about, but more about how we approach one another, and how we repair during and after that argument. So. First, we have to look at what our motive is. What am I trying to say? What am I trying to get out of this argument? I'm not, I'm not really arguing about your socks on the floor or the toilet seat being up or why I always have to take the kids. We're fighting about that I don't feel cared for or there's a deeper reason why we're fighting. So first and foremost, I would say I want people to pay attention to their elevation level because when we are, say, at an 11 instead of a 4 in terms of our energy, what comes out of our mouth is in fight or flight. And because everything is firing, more often than not, we say things that we don't mean or that are going to push each other's buttons. So I recommend that people bring it way down, take a time out first before they do that. When we talk about arguing, we're not necessarily talking about volume, uh, are we? I mean, arguing is just a simple conflict between two people, but it can be done at a conversational level. It doesn't have to be, as you say, volume 11 or 12. That's exactly right. There are some people, how how do I say this kindly? I'm not going to say, that are spewers. And then there are other people that, like, you know, take it all in. So the spewer goes straight to a 10 because they want to be heard. And it's a way to dominate the conversation, gain control over something that they're feeling out of control about. The person who takes it all in, takes it in and holds on and holds on and holds on until they blow up. And then it comes out just at the moment that they think, this is the moment that I'm going to say everything I want to say to you, including how I think your mom is a bitch or how you didn't propose to me the way I thought you were going to. It, you know what I mean? It's like this vomit. And so, yeah, to, it doesn't need to be at that level, but it means that we have to be okay with addressing it as it comes up. You're talking about uh, individuals having to change behavior, which doesn't happen <laughs> turn of a dime. Right. Um, 
changing behavior is a long-term proposition. So what are the tips to help the spewer particularly come back down to a more reasonable conversational level? Beautiful. I love that. So I, I love the idea of game rules. And game rules are made sometimes unconsciously. We decide how we're going to do something. And other times we're very conscious about it. Not when we are in a fight, but when we are in a healthy, loving state that we can say, okay, so there's certain, there are certain things that we agree to. One, name calling. We are not a couple that calls each other names. That's not okay. We're not, we don't hit, we don't, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and that if we are elevated, if you are at a eight and I'm at a four, then I offer you some time to go and relax or, you know what I mean? Bring yourself down that I honor the space that we want to be productive. And so I'm going to, as your partner, assist you and say, you know what? I respect the fact that you are heightened right now. So let's, which by the way, just saying not often heightens people. I am not heightened right now. You know what I mean? And so it's a time to say, this is, this is not how we discuss this and even come up with the other game rules. We sit at the table. I suggest that we take it out of the house, you know, so that the argument is certainly not in the bedroom. Uh, where lots of people go because they don't want the kids to hear them fighting. We hope that they at least don't want the kids to hear them fighting, but that we are very intentional. We go sit on the beach. We both talk about what we want to get out of it. Do you know what I mean? So that there's some direction. I think I know the answer to this, but let me ask the question anyway. Um, Is there any time that would be proper to have an argument in front of the children in the house, right? No, even if you're yeah. at a, right. even if you're at a very conversational level, oh. and it, and it's a general discussion, which may in fact involve the kids to yes. some degree. Yeah, and, and so this is a, it's a it's a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing, but I do think it's important because most of us learn how to manage conflict or upset from our parents. We model what they've done or how they've interacted with us. And it is such an important lesson to say, we are human beings. We all have, you know, experiences and feelings, and but it's manageable. And these are the healthy ways that we can disagree. And even to do it with our children that way, that we sit down, that we, that we model those things. So yes, but it is also important that what they are participating in, you know, what they're hearing is appropriate. And in no way are they being dragged into it to triangulate you know, this whole situation, Um, but that we know that we're going to model healthy communication for them. So often um, arguments just happen at the spur of the moment, Mm -hmm. and you're already at at level 10 or 11. Other times it starts with a conversation, begins to build, escalate, and then the blow up happens. What are the warning signs we should all be looking for within ourselves and within our our significant other yeah. uh, to kind of prevent going all the way up from where mm. we started to where we really don't want to be? Yes, it's a great question because it's, you know, people get caught on the words, but it's not so much about the words. It's really about the energy between two people. So if I say, if I get, if I'm heightened, it causes my partner to go inside to pull back, right? Because if you feel somebody escalating, we get nervous, we get uncomfortable, and then we bounce off of each other. I'm feeling you withdraw, so I'm going to get even more heightened because I want to know that you're not 
exiting, that you're not ejecting from this conversation and that you know it's important to me. So essentially we are literally responsible for one another's reactions during that experience. Explore that a little bit more. Give us some examples. Yeah. So examples are you walk through the door after a long day of work and I am so annoyed with the kids and the house is a mess and you didn't come home when you said you would and the trash is still there and we haven't had sex in forever and all of this stuff is there. You walk through the door and I immediately look at you with a half fake smile because I'm already angry inside. I'm already bubbling up. You pick up on that right away like, "Uh uh-oh, like, whoa, no, it's happening. And you say something like, "Mm, honey, how was your day? Because you don't want to go into all of the stuff that you're about to feel. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to do or say something that I know that you're going to do. It's called confirmation bias. Like, I knew that you didn't care about me. You came right in and picked up your phone. I'm looking consciously for that moment that I'm going to say, ah, see, I told you, you didn't, and you didn't take the trash out and you didn't, did it. like I'm, it's building. So paying attention to that, woo, things are heightened and literally addressing it in that moment. Like, honey, let's go take a walk. Like what's, what is, what is it that I'm feeling? Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm wrong about what I'm feeling, you know, but I'm sensing something there. Tell me what you need, because I'm going to tell you those complaints, those nags, are a wish underneath it. You you know, the wish is, I want to be important enough that you remembered to take the trash out. I want to be valuable enough and that you're so in love with me that you came home on time. So to hear the wish instead of the complaint is where the gift is. And along with that, and you mentioned it briefly a moment ago, words. Are there trigger words, words we should stay away from if we are in the middle of a confrontation? Yes, words that are personal about you or me, words that we know sting. You know, if if somebody said, my mother always said I was so emotional, and you said to me, oh, don't be so emotional, you can guarantee that I'm going to go from a 6 to a 12, right? And so then the motive is, is to push and hurt, gain control and mastery over this rather than over the movement and the health and the well-being of the relationship, right? And so those trigger words, and we all have our own, it could be an eye roll, it could be a, it could be a sigh, it could be, you know what I mean? And we know each other well enough to be stingy sometimes in not mm, being vulnerable. So instead we do the thing that we know that's going to upset our partner so then we get to be right. As if, by the way, there's going to be a medal or a trophy at the door for winning something. We, we, particularly in an argument, we, we always want to be right. Yes. We don't want to be the other person. Yep. And we keep pushing that even if we know we're wrong. Yeah. I mean, we, we just do that. It's, it's human nature. Yep. How do we come down from that? Yes. Because the, the idea of the winning part is really like, I want you to see my value. I'm a winner. And when somebody doesn't feel valued, really deeply valued, they do feel the need to have to prove their value by winning stuff. Do you know? And so if if I can show you that I win at this and I win at that and I win at this, then you're the asshole and I'm the one who must be more valuable than you're giving me credit for. Do you know? And so when we are generous with one another and we, we um, 
share their value, like we we appreciate the partnership and for who they are, then it's a not so much about winning the thing. It's more about that I care enough about you to and me to support the we in this. Somewhere along the way, people are going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, and there's different levels of that depending on how intense the argument might have been and, or how personal it became. Yeah. Um, how, how do we begin to re- repair that? I mean, that's yeah. really the key because I think if, if people are listening to this episode and they are listening to your suggestions about how to change these things, yeah. they can, but it's not going to happen immediately and there's always going to be something that triggers you, you know, beyond the normal levels. Yes. And you're going to hurt somebody. Yes. Hurt the relationship. How do we come back from that? Yeah, those, those, and I call them like, you know, marks on the relationship. And we have, we have marks on us throughout our lives, right? Those marks, things that we go through, those things that hurt us, the things that happen to us, you know, they become part of our fabric. They do. And but, and they're important parts of our fabric because they also drive a lot of beauty in us and a lot of, you know, our goals and dreams and all of that other stuff. So in a relationship, when there are marks left and there are going to be marks left, first of all, we have to give each other a little bit of latitude because when we're heightened, when we're in fight or flight and we say those stupid things and we can't unring that bell, there has to be room to clean it up and to be able to call it complete. So if I call you a name in the middle of our fight and you're so, you're hurt by it because one of our rules is that we don't name call, but I called you an asshole or I called you something, um, then I have to be willing to really clean it up with you by saying, I was so hurt and so angry that I could not express to you that I need something from you or I want something from you or I long for something from you and I don't know how to have these needs met. And so instead I lashed out and called you a name and I'm requesting that you forgive me. Like I want people to go there. Please forgive me. I love you. And I did not mean to say that. What I really wanted to say was this and ask for your forgiveness, which, you know, it's a hard one because it means now we have to be a little bit um, vulnerable with each other, you know, kind of drop your pants with one another and ask for that from you. And if you say, I'm not, I, I can forgive, but I can't forget. It's a sign that you're going to keep it in your pocket. And I'm going to say, okay, it's in your pocket. When it, when it, you get triggered by that and you bring it out, cause you will bring it out. Are you okay if we talk about it again and you allow me to apologize again? Because I understand it's not your job to forgive me immediately, but will you eventually? And I want you to make a declaration. And and that person can make a declaration. Like, yes, I'll eventually forgive you, but I might need to punish you one or two times. Or actually, I'll forgive you because Nordstrom is having a sale and there's these shoes and, you know, however it looks to couples, but it's okay to be really frank about it. Not like, yeah, fine. Because you know it's there, and it's going to show back up. If, if they can't come down from that, does that indicate that there is a, a deeper problem within the relationship, that, that maybe a little something has been lost along the way, and so they're not willing to 
smooth things over as readily as others would? Oh, definitely. As a matter of fact, when couples stop fighting is when I'm most concerned. When 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 it's like, eh, leave it, just bury it. It means that people have their feet, they're pulling their feet out of the relationship. And so, yes, there's a deeper issue that we need to pay attention to. Again, there's a wish or a need that something that's not being addressed in that, in that wound that we need to pay attention to. And by the way, it doesn't mean everybody can accommodate. If what you're asking me to do is to be like a more assertive human being because it makes you feel safe and I don't feel like I'm an, or I don't want to be an assertive human being, then we have a little bit of an issue, right? Because it's like, I need you to be assertive. And I'm saying, but why? I don't need to assert myself that way. There's some personality things that are like, this is just who we are. And so looking at what is the need then, what is, you want me to assert myself. So what are you looking for? You could say, I want to feel safe. And I would say, oh my God, I want to make you feel safe. Let's talk about all the different ways I can make you feel safe rather than me having to be something I'm not. And that actually makes you the bigger person, does it not? Yeah. I mean, so often we try to belittle our, our, our partners, thinking that somehow that makes us superior to them. But in fact, it does just the opposite. It makes, makes you feel like an asshole to the other person. Yeah. Instead of going the other direction, which makes you seem more loving, and I would think then a greater level of respect comes from your partner than going the other way. Oh, absolutely. Because by, you know, by doing that to your partner, you know, like constantly, constantly badgering and complaining and, you know, being on them, it does, it, it creates that confirmation bias I was talking about. Like, see, I knew that you were an asshole. And over time, I deserve to not be with an asshole. And so I'm, I'm creating that thing in you that I don't want and, and killing the relationship instead of us both being bigger and more powerful and, and, and more loving, like I always dreamt we would be, I am turning you into that thing that I have nagged all my friends that you really are, right? And then, and, and then looking for, for, you know, confirmation from them too. Like, yeah, he is kind of an asshole, you know? You've had decades of experience counseling couples, and I'm sure this has come across an innumerable number of, of times. Dig into your, uh, your history with these folks. Let's talk about some of the more extreme cases you've come across yeah. and how you help them fix that problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and by the way, this idea of, of coaching them through this stuff is so powerful. So a lot, most of my couples, a lot of my couples, I have them call me or text me if I can when they're in the heat of the moment. It is amazing to be a part of it. I'm literally stepping into the fire with them because I can be so much more effective in coaching them through it in the midst of it than a week later when they can't remember what they were arguing about, right? So I've had couples, and we know this feeling when you're fighting in the car and you're like, stop the car, stop the car. And then it gets really dramatic as if somebody wants to jump out of the car. And I actually have had somebody jump out of a moving car in the middle of a fight, um, or pull over the side of the road and push her out and drive off. I mean, like all kinds of things that people do to each other that are so regrettable and so not necessary. 
But because it escalates so much and and they forget what they're actually fighting about, that it gets to the point where we're going to go until somebody calls 911 or I'm going to show you how much you've hurt me. Can you come back from that? Oh, absolutely. Couples do. Absolutely they do. And, and how do you deal yeah. with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to pull it way, way back, right? And we need to make sure everyone's safe and all of that stuff. But bringing it down to where they're like, okay, let's take a day or two. Uh, honest to God. Like if, if you are heightened in any way after something like that, then we're going to wait for it because we need to be able to look at how it unfolded and really how you want to repair. Like, you know, how I want to repair something like that is by, first of all, telling you how embarrassed or ashamed I am that I pulled over and pushed you out of the car. Like, it's not who I want you to think I am. It's not who I want to think I am. But really going to that point, going to the ugly spot and facing the shame and the embarrassment and stuff like that. Because if not, what we do is look for proof. He pissed me off so much I had to move out, jump out of a moving car. Do you know what I mean? And so we want to go to that dirty, scary spot and address it. Um, sometimes an argument can lead to something physical yes. as well. And that's got to be a huge danger sign. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've come across that. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, the, the, that fight or flight, the, the being painted into a corner, the desire to want to lash out. Absolutely, couples get, you know, physical or don't intend to throw things at each other, but it lands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, you know, have a good aim or whatever it is or um, holding each other down, like I'm going to leave and you're going to pull me back and I'm going to bite you on the shoulder because you're, you know, it becomes visceral, that experience. And when, when it becomes that, we're certainly not fighting about any of the things that we think we're fighting about, but it's really like a survival mechanism. We're both in survival at that point. And it's a lot of like turning into a caveman. I mean, like, you know, at that point, yes, there has to be a separation. I would even suggest that we take the weekend away from each other. And and no, we don't breathe life into that argument by calling 22 of our closest friends and telling them about it, right? At that point, there has to be some self-reflection. Like, what was going on for me? What did I need? Yes, reaching out for support, if that's the case, calling your therapist, calling your coach, calling your priest, whatever, whoever it is, your rabbi, whoever it is that you call, you know what I mean, to who loves you enough to know what you're committed to, which is healing this relationship. Don't just tell me what I want to hear that, yes, he's an asshole. Do you know what I mean? Does a physical abuser ever get to a point where he or she stops being physically mm -hmm. abusive? I, I, yeah. Based on what we know, based on our own mm -hmm. uh anecdotal and experiential uh, things with friends and family and so forth, abusers never really come back. There's always that danger, again, that that's going to happen yes. once more. So when that happens, mm -hmm. do you say to those people, it's time to separate? Yes, absolutely. There's and how no do question. they take that? I mean, oh, they didn't come in to yeah, your office thinking right. you're going to tell them to par go their separate ways. That's right. Now you just did. Then what happened? Yes, that's right. And by the way, 
I don't think that everyone should stay together. I don't think that every relationship is healthy for one another. And I do think that some people trigger each other in a way that are, is just not healthy. And so then we talk about a, a healthy it, breakup, how to get out of the relationship without it being World War II. Do you know that we are we are not safe together or I just don't feel safe in that in this relationship? You have anger issues or you've put your hands on me in that way and I can't live my life in fear like that. And you know, supporting them, you know, one partner and going to yes, get help if if that's what they if they see that they need help because that's the problem, right? Our court systems and stuff like that can require anger management classes and stuff like that. But if they don't really want it, they're not going to. And they're going to find somebody else to put their hands on in that way. And so when we talk about uh, scars that that occur from arguments, these are scars that are not going to heal, are they? Right. No, they're not going to heal. And, the, and, and it's not just the physical abuse. The, the emotional abuse, the emotional battery is actually much worse. And I, I say this with great confidence, is much worse than the physical abuse because yes, those, those wounds heal. They can leave permanent marks. We know that the emotional abuse is often a private hell for people because they're in there and on some level take it in bits and pieces at a time and digest it and ingest it. And while they still can do the work and, and recognize that those wounds are there, it does become part of our fabric. So it is absolutely imperative that they get support because it will show up. It does. We tend to do what's familiar to us, not what's always healthy to us. So if what's familiar to you is to be treated a certain way or disrespected a certain way, you could be the most educated, the richest, the skinniest, the most amazing human being on the face of the earth. But what if, if you're used to a certain level of things and you're not conscious, that's exactly what we go and seek out, what's familiar. You've, I'm sure, had couples that you've advised to separate, go yeah. their separate ways. Yeah. Have some of those couples come back to you and have said, we don't want to separate. Oh, yes. And and what's the aftermath then? Do you yeah. see them again a month later, two months later, and the pattern is still there? I certainly do. I have, you know, couples that have actually been married and divorced to each other three times. They've had three weddings, and they've had three divorces. <laughs> Literally. Uh, there's something to them about the restart. It's like, you know, starting a diet on Monday kind of thing. Like, it's a new day. Um, so yes, and I understand it is part of the human condition, you know, that we, we bond, you know, some people say trauma bond or we, you know, wh whatever it is to people. Um, but we also talk about the risks that we now let's be honest with one another. We know it's almost like when you know that you're going to drink too much, the risks are tomorrow, I'm going to have a headache. I might gain a few pounds. I'm going to be slow to go work out if I work out at all. Like we have to be really honest about what the risks are and why we believe the risks outweigh the benefits to one another, like a conscious decision about that. I don't know how much you can talk about this, um, you know, because of privacy matters, but I'm sure you have witnessed tragedies yeah. uh, between couples. Yeah. Um, 
Can you be a little more specific about that and, and, and give us an idea of what happens when these things escalate to that point now we avoid them? Yeah, when they, yeah, and certainly tragedies where, you know, somebody goes missing or something, someone disappears or, I mean, to me it's a tragedy when you do something that's so hurtful, like, you know, I'm going to marry your boss or have sex with all your colleagues while you're at work. I mean, like where it's so true, I know what I'm doing is going to hurt you beyond repair. Do you know? And when it comes to that point, when you are being intentionally hurt or, you know, that, that it does become tragic because there, there is no going back from that. And those, those wounds are going to be left on you and, and need to be repaired personally, that they're not, you know, when somebody betrays you in such a way that, that, that you can't, it's hard to wrap your head around in those moments, then it's time for you to step away and, and really go nurture yourself for a while. Because you can imagine it's like draining all the water out of a pool. Do you know, if there's nothing there, there's, there's no way to repair. People do want to hurt the others mm -hmm. often when yeah. relationships are, are ending. Yeah. But to what end? Oh. Other than just to be hurtful and, and spiteful. Yes. So uh, imagine for a moment that I'm, I'm that person. I want to yeah. hurt my yeah. wife. I want to hurt her badly. Yeah. But I shouldn't. Right. I, I know that down deep, right. but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh -huh. Give me some advice, Dr. Christie, yes. about how I come away from that. Yeah, that's huge. So, you know, we have the whole notion like of revenge porn, do you know, I where, you know, and, and it was finally made a thing because it was a physical, obvious, mm, you know, I don't know, abuse or like, you know, like where some, somebody is saying, I'm going to, I'm intentionally doing this to hurt you. Those things that are intentional, that don't get a lot of weight from from the authorities, or they're tragic. First of all, the things like I'm gonna take all your money, or spend all your money, or I'm gonna, you know, I don't know, have sex with all your colleagues, or whatever it is that are so obviously revenge based. You know, is what, like I said, tragic. But for the person that's going through that rallying their support system and not being okay with it, you know, like, oh, there's nothing I can do. He just put, took all these credit cards in my name or whatever that is. Asserting your voice, asserting it in spite of knowing that the police won't do anything or much. I'm sorry. They, you know what I mean? They're, that's a whole different thing or the courts don't do something. It is imperative that whatever it is that that person is using their voice and knowing that if it's hurting them, it's real in spite of what their, some of their environment is telling them. Does that make sense? It does. But yeah. Let's pretend though that, that I am the uh, uh, revenge seeker. Yes. Um, and I may not be in that space where I know I'm doing something wrong. I just want to get at that person. Yeah. Um, but down deep, I, I know this is wrong. How do I, as the abuser, yes. come down from that? Yeah. So if people are, I mean, you're seeing signs, right? She's, she's filing for a restraining order or like all of the, you know, stuff like that. Uh, we want to pay attention to 
what's happening around us. Like, you know, because again, what we say is one thing, what we do is another. So if your environment then is giving you the information that something isn't okay, then yes, you should gain your, gain support and stuff like that. But people, again, who are supporting you and what you're committed to. If you want to go to your friends who are like, I'm going to show you how to really fuck her over, you know, then they are not the ones who are committed to your long-term goal of getting over the relationship, finding new love, getting back in shape, whatever it is that you are really, truly, deeply committed to. So I would say, take a look at what you really, really, truly want. If what you want is, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to, I don't want to look embarrassed and ashamed that you left me. Then let's focus on how to resolve those things. Let's get you in the gym. Let's get you dating again. Let's get you therapy or coaching or whatever it is that you need so that you get support around you so that you're going in the direction that you dream of going, not in the direction of what impulse and anger and hurt and shame are driving you to do. And so hard to do that when you're, you're in the moment. Yes. Are, are there any tips, any, any tricks, anything we can do with ourselves emotionally yeah. to come off that precipice? Yeah. That energy, you know, that heightened oh, is, can be dangerous, right? So I would say whatever it is that that brings you into a different energy, you know, for some people it's masturbating, for other people it's jumping in the ocean, for me it's making nachos, whatever it is that brings your energy to a different place um, that you do regularly, you know, that I know every day getting up and running, by the way, so that I can have nachos, is a beautiful combination, but there are things that I that bring me joy, spending time with my kids and my dogs and stuff like that. So doing things that you are consciously filling each day with so that your energy is shifting. Because I promise you when your energy shifts, so does your mindset. In conclusion, um, when you're dealing with, with couples in your, in your practice – you are working with them over a long period of time because as we've talked about, these sorts of things require a bit of time yeah. to change behavior. Um, unfortunately, people watching or listening to this podcast today aren't going to have the benefit of, of a number of weeks yeah. with you. In the short term, are there some things that, that you can impart to our, our viewers and listeners that help them at least begin the process of, of arguing the right way so that you don't destroy the relationship. Absolutely. I would say I want, I want a regular, the state of our union, you know, that the last Sunday of every month we go sit on the beach and we talk about the state of our, we, the state of our union. And we intentionally clean up the crap that's occurred through the week or through the month that it is part of our health and well-being. If we take the time to go take vitamins or go get a checkup or go have our hair cut and, and, and show care, showing care for the relationship, there is actually nothing more important, to be honest with you. Like, because that, I mean, research shows that when we are in a healthy we, our life satisfaction, our longevity, our health is completely maximized. So start prioritizing the things that drive a great life, which is the we, and stop waiting for just a breakdown and do something intentional 
for the breakthrough in the relationship. For more information, go to our website, lifesauce.com. That's life-sauce.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thanks for joining us.